This is the Overtime Podcast Network. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend MetLife Stadium for you guys. Here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Today we're going to talk with one of our writers at TurnOnTheJets.com, Stephen Russo, who joined us this year and wrote a particularly good article this week about how the Jets have ended up where they've been the past nine years. And what a day to be recording a podcast because we found out today that the Jets' genius interim owner, Christopher Johnson, has not only guaranteed Adam Gase will be here for the rest of this season, he will be here for all of next season as well. Uh, giving him the 18-month security job security lease. So if you're a follower of this podcast, if you're a follower of me on Twitter or this website, you should know just how excited I am about that news and how I can't wait to talk about it today and write about it this week. Before we dive into our conversation with Stephen, want to remind you guys, if you are keeping the faith, which, listen, we've been through worse stuff as Jet fans, kind of, almost. Uh, Jets Raiders, our friends at Game Day Tailgate Experience, will be hosting a pregame tailgate you get all the information on it on the Turn on the Jets website. We link it in our 12-pack every week, on our Twitter, on our Facebook. Pre-game party for Jets Raiders at Secaucus Junction. Junction, All-you-can-eat food, cash bar, celebrity appearances, giveaways, music. Check it out. GameDayTailgateExperience.com for Jets and Raiders. Steven, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm good, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Before I get your opinion about the news today, before we talk about your article, which was excellent, by the way, and I highly recommend everyone reads, a nice winding nine-year journey uh, of Jets history. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, my question for today is why? You do not need, as an owner, to come out in the middle of the season and guarantee job security for basically two years for your well-below-average head coach. Why would you put yourself out there like that publicly? This is an organization who refuses to give a playoff mandate, but they will guarantee coaching job security for nearly two full seasons. The Jets, I think, are treating their one-touchdown win over the 2-7 and seven Giants, who have been one of the worst teams in football the past few years, like their Super Bowl and like a miraculous turning point in their season. They are probably looking at the upcoming schedule and assuming they're going to stack some wins against really bad teams who are tanking or are not trying to win, and we'll be able to spin the narrative that they finish the season 4-4, four and four, regardless of what happens when they play better teams like Baltimore and Buffalo and Oakland, and have just decided that they don't want to pay all these coaches and all these general managers at once, because I think anyone with eyes would be able to understand how poorly the Jets have been coached this year, despite all the injury issues that they're dealing with. And I'm aware of all the injury issues they've been dealing with. They followed Adam Gase wherever he went. He has been a consistent on teams with injury problems. But no reason, and it shows a lack of experience, for Chris Johnson to go so public with this. What happens if the Jets lose to Washington? What happens if they lose again to Miami? What happens if they lose by 30 again in primetime to Baltimore? All not that crazy of possibilities, what we've seen so far this year. You've now locked yourself into this coach for next year, a coach who's 25 and 33, uh, a coach who has not made the playoffs since 2016 and got in with a roster that he largely didn't build. I find it infuriating. I think fans should find it infuriating. I think you're going to see 
an increase of apathy around this team back to the levels that we saw towards the final Kotite years. I just could not wrap my head around why they do this. And it's a shame, honestly. Like, we, like, joke, and it's fun to have, you know, some snark to make the worst out of these bad situations with the Jets, but this just sucks. I mean, honestly, I think it puts a ceiling on what kind of team they could be next year. Maybe if everything goes right and they're healthy, they're the 7-9 and or 8-8 eight eight team most of us thought they'd be this year. But you don't want to peek ahead. Look at the Jets' schedule next year. They play Seattle. They play San Francisco. They play the Rams. They play the Cardinals. They play the Chiefs, Raiders, Broncos, and Chargers. The Bills are going to be a year better. The Pats are the Pats. The Dolphins won't be tanking anymore. They already beat the Jets when they were tanking. This was the year with the soft schedule. Why do you think you're going to win 10 or 11 games next year with how much work this roster needs? I have no idea. It blows my mind. Steven, I'm done venting for a moment. What, what do you think about today's <laughs> Well, Joe, I mean, it's, it's hard to disagree with anything that you said. And uh, to be honest with you, when you look at it, you know, we're just over halfway through the season. And it's a 2-7 and seven team. It seems like odd timing to, to double down on, on your decision, on his hire. Uh, in Adam Gase and say you're guaranteed not only for the remainder of this year, but for all of 2020. But then you think, and like you said, it kind of starts to make sense with after the Giants win. And, and it seems like he just put a lot of stock into this, like like beating a, another two and seven quote unquote crosstown rival is a bigger deal really than what it was. Um, and if you look at things, you know, really coming out of last year, I mean, Gase had a, extremely low bar to clear. I mean, there's been no playoff mandate. He literally just had to show any step in the right direction of of progression with Sam Darnold and basic competitive football being played. And he's done neither of those. So it just seems like Johnson was unable to swallow his pride and admit that a mistake was made. And whether in season or after this season, take a holistic look at things and say, you know what, this was a bad decision made and we're going to move on. Um, cause that's what needed to be done. Uh, I'm not one to buy into the mantra that, you know, the jets become a radioactive destination for other head coaching candidates. If they fire a guy after one year or after half a season, I don't think that's the case. Um, simply because of the, the facts that I just stated that Gase had a very low bar to clear and d- has not cleared it. He's, he's gone backwards. And, uh, I, I totally agree with you. It's infuriating. It's frustrating. And it just makes you think that they're not going to get this right anytime soon. Yeah. I, uh, I couldn't agree more. I just, I, I think it is just being stubborn, I suppose. Like this is a big hire that you made and you don't want to admit failure, you know, on it so early, but you could have easily said just, you know, we're going to keep him for the rest of the year. I think that's a reasonable thing to say. We're not going to do a mid season firing. We're going to rest it after the year. That makes sense. To say he's definitely going to be here next year, that's insanity, and it's just malpractice yeah. and poor management. And they're going to get pummeled, rightfully so, for every loss that they have with all these quotes that he had today about everyone's excited and they bought in. If they have a blowout loss or they lose to one of the bad teams on their schedule, they're rightfully going to get pummeled, and honestly, they deserve it. And it's tough as a fan to accept that no matter what happens the rest of the year, that there's really not going to be any major changes. And I just think, like a lot of people, there's a ceiling to how good a team could be with Adam Gase as the head coach and Dowell Loggins as the offensive coordinator in today's offensive-dominated NFL. And I don't think 
Sam Darnold's a lost cause with those guys, but do I think he's fully going to reach his potential with them? Probably not, and that's a shame. Uh, you know, Darnold's had some really nice moments this year, but on the whole, has been disappointing. I mean, there's really no other way to cut it. Now, he's in a terrible situation. He has terrible coaching. No one's helping him out, but it's still generally been disappointing outside of the Giants and the Cowboys game. So hopefully he does finish strong, but is he even still going to reach his full potential with this coaching staff is just what is just so mind boggling. And it just continues. And we could, you know, use this to dovetail in your article, just this overarching poor major decision-making from ownership, whether it was not firing Rex and Tannenbaum together and forcing Idzik to go with Rex, whether it was not firing Bulls and McCagnan together and initially putting McCagnan and Gase. Now you have forcing Gase onto this team an extra year than he probably needs to be. Uh, it just seems to continue more of the cycle, and there's no reason to expect that this playoff drought won't only just go to nine years, but is potentially going to go to 10 years. I mean, what have been these reoccurring problems we've seen with the Jets since 2010? Yeah, so... Um... I, you, again, Joe, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, and honestly, I mean, you can point to a lot of those things. And the, the Johnson blunders um, have been, you know, the biggest reasons as to as to why this team has been kind of in this uh, the state of of perpetual mediocrity that we've experienced over the last nine years. I mean, everything you just mentioned is absolutely a problem. And then you can kind of further that point by talking about the reporting structure. And I know that other teams do it, and I know that it's worked. I know that uh, Joe Douglas came from that reporting structure with the Eagles, but still, continuing with this um, and, and knowing that it's simply not working and not being willing or open to change is another issue. And you're really just continuing to marry these two together, Gase and Joe Douglas. And I think, and, and I think Connor Rogers said it on your pod last week that the, the relationship there is overblown. You're really just – you're, you know, Johnson is just making these decisions without being the football guy and not letting the guy that he supposedly trusted, Joe Douglas, make the, the best decisions for this team moving forward. So it's, it's things like that that have gotten us to this point where really uh, the Jets have been non-competitive for, for, you know, the better of nine years which is uh, extremely disappointing. It's extremely infuriating. And when you're sitting here again in, in 2019 and it's mid-November and you're already watching non-competitive football and knowing that the last month and a half, two months of the season mean nothing for your team, it's, um, it's, it's sad and it's disappointing. When you look uh, at other things, um, the inadequate drafting um, overall, and I think McCagnan takes the brunt of this, and he should, and it's probably because of recency bias, but McCagnan was, was bad at drafting. There's no way to sugarcoat it. But even before that, Itzik and Tannenbaum were both awful. Just bad drafts across the board. They, they placed emphasis on the wrong players, on the wrong positions. Um, even their, their should-be-easy swings, first, second-round talents, were big swings and misses. Guys that – not only didn't start for the Jets, but barely made contributions. And then when you look when they went elsewhere, they still couldn't make a contribution. They couldn't last in the league. That's how this roster has become a competitive one that in 09 and 2010, with what Mangini built, uh, Rex was able to take to those back-to-back AFC championships. It slowly kind of just dwindled down to a barren roster that doesn't have any depth, and doesn't have quality players across the board and has not been competitive. And that's why when you kind of take that macro view and step back and you look at it and you're, you're sitting there and you're going, you know what, this has kind of been like death by a thousand cuts. It's, it's been a slow play, one bad move after another by 
ownership, uh, front office, and coaching that has gotten us to this point. And when you look back and, and, and before that, it makes you kind of realize how good that, that post-Cotite stretch to 2010 was. I mean, 97 to 2010, and that's what I wrote about in my article, was, you know, 14 seasons in there, 11 of those were 8-8 eight and eight or better, 7 of those were playoff years, 5 of those playoff years they advanced at least a game, and they went to three AFC championships. When you think about now as a Jets fan and during the last nine years, I mean, what would we give for a stretch like that again? Those are the glory years. Those are the years I grew up on as a Jets fan. Those are the years that, yeah. you know, convinced me to start a Jets fan. I started it, you know, coming in the, the last Mangini year and the, the two Rex years, they were great. And I, I guess I've just jinxed us to a, a decade of misery. But yeah, I think what, when I first started covering the team, it was frustrating to see the same old jet stuff because they were good. Like you said, they were consistently good from 97 to 2010, like year in, year out. They were competitive. They were one of the better teams in the league. Now that stuff has actually started to line up to be a reality. And this is after this year, basically the worst drought in organizational history, even going back to the seventies, when I think they went the entire seventies without making the playoffs, this is basically going to mirror that. Um, and I don't know who that Parcells like figure is who's going to come dig him out. I mean, if Douglas is actually like that attached at the hip with Gase, let's say the Jets go four and twelve this year and six and ten next year, are they going to fire Douglas and Gase? Are they going to let Douglas hire his own guy for two years? Yeah. Who the hell knows? Who knows who's even going to be the owner? Um, before we dive in anymore, I want to remind you guys that it's halfway through the football season. We're pushing for not pushing for the playoffs. We're probably more pushing for a draft pick at this point. But the NBA season is here. College football is in the home stretch. If you haven't gotten in on the action, now is the time. Check out the latest from our friends at mybookie.ag. NFL lines, NBA lines, NHL lines. In addition to traditional spreads and totals, they have quarters, halves, periods for hockey, player props, including points, yards, or goals, PGA, NASCAR, soccer, and more. Now is the best time to get in the action. Sign up at mybookie.ag. Use promo code OVERTIME, and they will match your first deposit. Again, that's promo code OVERTIME, and new users get their first deposit doubled. MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. So looking at, God, if you had to name one decision in this entire stretch that was the most, let's call it disastrous, what do you think that one decision was? And could this Gaze decision actually end up being potentially on par with it? <laughs> um, I do think the Gaze decision could be on par with it. I do. If I were to say one thing, I would say it would be the decision to get rid of Tannenbaum and keep Rex that then completely limited the pool of GM candidates and brought Edsick to us. And that kind of started this cycle of these stop and start rebuilds where the Jets just didn't know whether to dive in or dip their toe in the water and McCagan came on board in 2015 and it was that competitive rebuild where he went and he, you know, had these, these uh, veteran guys in free agency that enabled the 10 and six year, but then completely fell apart and the wheels came off in 2016. And then it's a full rebuild in 2017. And it's just kind of, again, perpetuated this cycle of these stop and start rebuilds where it's, it's just never worked and, and we've never had the right guys running it. So if I were to go back to the one thing, uh, the biggest mistake, I'd say it was uh, Woody Johnson firing Tannenbaum, attaching himself to Rex as a pretty much a lame duck head coach to where 
no other GM candidate wanted to come in and attach themselves to Rex because they just knew how it was going to end. And it turned out proving us right. Yeah. I mean, it always seems like there's these dueling timelines and dueling agendas. And I don't know if that's exactly the case now, but it just seems like such a mismatched plan overall. It's all over the place. It's so sporadic. And it's just bizarre how a one touchdown win over a terrible team is trying to be used to like cleanse the palette of what happened during the trade deadline, what happened when they played New England in primetime, and what happened when they lost to Miami and Jacksonville. You know, two teams who are going to be like 6-10 and 4-12 and and this year. Um, it's bizarre and it's stupid that a win against the Giants would be weighted that heavily. And it should be the same for wins against the Redskins, Bengals, or the Dolphins. I want to, you want to show you made progress in the second half of the year. Beat Oakland. Uh, beat Baltimore, yeah. beat Buffalo, uh, you know, even Pittsburgh, who's going to kind of be in the wild card race now. That's where you show you had some progress. Um, no one cares about the injuries. NFL teams deal with injuries. This is part of it. Everyone's half the league has been without their starting quarterback for a portion of this year. I understand the Jets have had a higher concentration than usual, but injuries happen. Darnold missed three games his rookie year. Who's to say he won't miss three games next year for some other uh, reason. These things happen. You know, Mahomes missed times this year. Breeze missed time. Stafford missed time. These things happen. You have to be able to adapt. And I just, I'm very curious. It will be fascinating to see, A, how the season ends and how the Jets, and clearly they have certain media outlets that they're using for this. How are they selling next year? And how are they getting this fan base, which is going to be rightly apathetic, excited for next year? I, I just, I, it's going to be a ridiculously hard sell. Uh, I mean, where, where do they go from a messaging perspective and from an off-season perspective this year? That's a very good question. And, and to be honest with you, I, I don't know. It, it seems like at the start of this season, um, they overvalued uh, a lot of things and a lot of position groups. And a lot of question marks on the whole really needed to hit. It was a huge roll of the dice for to go into the, the, the season with, with Tremaine Johnson and Daryl Roberts, who's starting corners. You knew that you had to roll the dice and you, you had to hit that. And, it, you know, it had, to, it had to be good for you. Your offensive line, you knew that was a patchwork offensive line that really had to come together and gel and be a lot better than anticipated to, for this to be a working and good unit. And they flopped in every, every single um, estimation that they made. And that's, you know, that's the problem. That's how they got here. So when you really uh, tear this down, you see how much work this roster really needs. And I think, you know, the calls that Joe Douglas was, was fielding at the trade deadline, I mean, every GM is going to pick up the phone. There's no question about that. Every GM will tell you the same thing. But that really gives you kind of an insight into what he thinks of this roster. It needs a lot. Uh, I mean, a lot at, at major impact position groups. I mean, we talk about it all the time. I, I, Joe, I know you're a huge proponent of this, but the, the big investments have to come an offensive line cornerback and edge rusher, something the Jets have neglected over the past 10 years. And it's going to be hard to sell. Whatever the, the mantra is for, for 2020 and beyond, it's going to have to be tied to Sam Donald and his progression. But overall, this, this whole roster needs um, a huge haul, and it's, uh, it's going to be a lot to overturn. I think that's what's going to be kind of interesting to see because I don't know how the Jets are going to finish this year. My guess is they finish 4-12 and 12 or 5-11. and 11. Uh, one way or another, which will basically mirror their record the past three years. I think next year, they have a ton of work to do. So even if they have a productive offseason, it won't be as flashy as last offseason. They won't have quite as high as a pick, most likely. They won't have as much to spend in free agency. They're going to have a harder schedule. Like 
I'm sure we're not going to get a playoff mandate from Chris Johnson. So is the barometer going to be, well, we went 4-12 in 2019. If we go 7-9 and nine in 2020, it's a good year. It's progress. Let's give Gase one more year. And I was joking when I tweeted that this morning, but I could absolutely see that be the case, which is really a shame because you're basically telling Jet fans, just again, punt 2019, punt 2020. Wait until 2021, you know, 11, 12 years without making the playoffs, which is just insanity in a league with so much parity. So I, I mentioned this at the beginning. If you are still dedicated and you're going to Jets, Giant, Jets Raiders, or maybe you're going to a Giants game down the stretch, or you've decided that you want to root for the Ravens, Chief, or Texans the rest of the year, like I'm going to, make sure that you have your seat for the game with Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section or row of your choice all on the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now is a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. Vivid Seats rewards. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more. Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. When it's time to buy, enter code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount up to $100. Again, that's promo code OVERTIME for a discount up to $100. As it stands now, what do you expect to see the rest of the season from the Jets? I, and I generally fall more on, I'm not going to use the word negative. I'm going to say pragmatic. I would say you and Dalbin and some of the other writers in sight, slightly more optimistic than me. I, I get it. I understand it. What are your expectations or predictions for the final seven games? It's it's hard to come out of the Giants game and think that anything is really going to be different. I, I mean, it seems like uh, the way they played against the Giants, similar to the way they played against Dallas, was, was more of an aberration than, than reality. And I think what we'll still see is what we saw against Jacksonville, what we saw against Miami. Um, not as bad as the New England game, um, but, you know, more of the same because I really just don't – I don't see how they can be uh, truly competitive against the Pittsburghs, Oaklands, um, Baltimores, or, or Buffalo with uh, the cornerback group they have, the injuries at linebacker they're trying to overcome, and the offensive line issues. Um, I expect to still – still see Sam Darnold uh, make steps forward. I don't think, I think he has taken a step back, but I don't think it was, you know, panic button type um, play from him where we're going to say he's completely regressed and, 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 you know, he's washed it and we got to draft the quarterback in the first round next year. I do think he'll continue to take steps forward. I, I, th- I think that he's trying and he's starting to get uh, a grasp of this offense. So I think he'll take steps. Um, I personally see, I see four and 12. I, I see, uh, I see, you know, two wins coming against either uh, either Miami, Washington, or or Cincinnati. Uh, two of those three games, and, and I, I see losses against the, uh, you know, the the better of the the four teams that uh, that we play at the end of the year. So I really see four and twelve, and that's probably uh, on the optimistic side. Yeah, I think four and twelve sounds about right. I think what's going to be very interesting to see: can they beat one of the lower tier okay teams they're playing, Oakland and Pittsburgh teams who are probably going to be about 500 and competing for a wild card. And then how do they hang with the really good team on their schedule, Baltimore? Do they lose by 40 or do they compete? Um, even do they, when they go to Buffalo, can they win a game in the AFC East? And the Jets have been terrible in the AFC East and Darnold has particularly struggled in the AFC East. 
And then can they avoid the really embarrassing loss? And I think a loss to either Washington, Cincinnati, or Miami all are potentially there. I think when you look at those three games, Cincinnati certainly looks to be the easiest. Uh, Miami, I think, is probably going to finish with like four or five wins ultimately, which is kind of crazy. But, you know, they beat the Colts. They've already beat the Jets. There's no reason to think that game won't be close. They're going to beat Cincinnati when they play them. Um, so they're, you know, that game is not a walkover. And the Washington game, I think this game is going to be really interesting. I think Washington's terrible. They fired their coach in season. There's no doubt about that. It's a road game for the Jets, though. Washington has a decent defensive front. The Jets haven't handled success well if they're still riding the coattails of beating the Giants. Washington coming off a bye. Dwayne Haskins is a rookie quarterback who's been pretty bad so far, but he's a rookie. So, you know, we'll see. Gardner Minshew tore them up when he was a rookie. It's a very losable game. In my mind, it's kind of like a coin flip game like the Giants game was. And the Jets ultimately won that because Jamal Adams made a really special play. If he doesn't make that play, I'm not sure they win. I think this game's a coin flip. I think Miami's a coin flip. I think Cincinnati, they're a decided favorite in. And I think every other game, they have a 40% or less chance of winning. So 4-12 and 12 sounds about right. I just think Johnson has set himself up to get pummeled after every loss. And, you know, if they go 4-12, and 12, that, means, that means they went 3-5 and five down in the second half of the season. So you can't be like, well, we were 1-7 and seven and then we went 3-5. and five. I mean, yes, it's two games better, but is that, you know, that's not the massive improvement that you could point to. So it's just frustrating all the way around, as I'm sure you can tell from both of our voices. Steven, any final words or thoughts uh, before we let you go for this episode? I mean, I think... You know, the, the one thing outside of Darnold's progression that, that I'm really looking for, and now that we know we're kind of tied to, tied to Gase, uh, you know, for the next year and a half, that's, I think that's the other thing that I really like to see in the, last, uh, in the last seven games is more offensive creativity, you know, from Adam Gase, more showing the ability to adjust. I think that's something we haven't seen at all. Um, whether it be in-game adjustments, halftime adjustments, whatever, he hasn't shown any ability to adjust on the fly to what the defense is doing and, and, and the defense trying to dictate to the offense. I mean, it's been bad. So seeing the, you know, some more creativity come out, moving Darnold around in the pocket, I haven't seen a quick slant all year. Despite our offensive, our offensive line problems, I haven't seen Sam Darnold throw one quick, quick slant all year, which is, to me, just makes no sense. Um, so seeing Gase's creativity, seeing uh, his ability to adapt um, and, and kind of outside of those, you know, first uh, 15, 20 scripted plays, what that momentum looks like carrying forward. Um, that's what I'm really looking for now, knowing that, uh, you know, we got another year and a half of Gase to endure. Well said. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will be back next week with another episode talking about, I don't know what, we'll see. It'll be a wide range of topics at this point. Uh, Remember, subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll be back next week.